Amen. That's what I'm talking about right there. So that's the hope that we have. The struggles in this life do not compare to the exceeding great eternal weight of glory that awaits us. We need to get our eyes on the prize. And all the things we go through in this life, just keep reminding yourself, it's just temporary. This is all temporary. And I, man, I am so glad that we're almost there. One of these days, we're going to be out of here. Doesn't matter how you go. You may croak or you may fly, but however you go, we're going to be out of here. And it's all going to be good. Because when we see Jesus, we're going to be changed. And we're going to be like him. We're going to see him as he is. Hallelujah. Well, I never thought I would say it, but I'm glad to get to make some announcements. <laughs> we actually have a couple of announcements. So next week, we're going to start back with Children's Church. So, uh, with some limitations, we're not going to have nursery. We are going to have uh, age 6 or 1st grade through 12 or 6th grade. And we've laid out an area upstairs and we've marked it off and got things taped out where kids can be safe distance and all that kind of good stuff. We're going to do everything we're supposed to do to keep them as safe as possible. And I'm going to be sending out a, an email this week uh, telling you all about that so you'll know that we're doing all the right things so we're not just exposing your kids haphazardly to uh, something they shouldn't be exposed to. Uh, also, we are talking about uh, reopening some other meetings. We're discussing the men's meeting and uh, probably be a women's meeting and some other things. So, you know, things are beginning to kind of start loosening up and we're anxious about that but we're also we're trying to trying to be responsible um, next week we are going to share communion and we're going to use those little prepackaged deals so uh, you don't have to worry about being exposed to germs or anything uh, and if you're not going to be able to be here then we, you can partake at home we don't have live stream this morning unfortunately but we will uh, most weeks uh, and then I want to remind you uh, about our giving. This is Mission Sunday. And I got an email from Foursquare this week. Um, evidently, all around the globe, we have Foursquare pastors and their families that are, that are literally starving because of uh, famines in their lands and because of the coronavirus. People are not giving. People are not working. It's just messed up a lot of economical things all around the world. And so there's a desperate need for... Uh, for gifts to, to Foursquare pastors. And these are, not, these are not necessarily missionaries. They are indigenous people that are pastoring a church, but they just are in hard times. And so if the Lord lays that on your heart, um, you can give and you can put uh, FDR for Foursquare Disaster Relief, or you can say pastors or you know, whatever, whatever you'd like to say about that. But this is not truly missions, but it's a form of mission because we're giving to other countries. And so I just want to encourage you to consider that. And, uh, and then your, your regular offerings and tithes, thank you for your faithfulness, and we appreciate that. I know God is blessing you. I'm so glad we don't have to talk about money all the time. You know, God is faithful, and he's good, and you guys are, are, are faithful and responsible. And, you know, I just mentioned it to you uh, in case you happen to be new or in case you forget that it's missions or something. I know you guys are going to do right, and so I appreciate that. And I love you guys. Thank you for my birthday. Y'all love. It's very, very humbling to have people love you. And you guys, you see, all of my, you see all of my flaws and all of my shortcomings, and you still love me. That's pretty cool. So thank you. 
Many years ago, when I first started coming to this church, one of the first people that I became acquainted with was Mitch. And we got really close because uh, I don't know why. We got so much in common, I guess. You know, he's a cowboy. I'm a concrete guy. You know, it's <laughs> so similar. Uh, but I tell you what we have in common. We got the blood of Jesus inside of us. And it makes us uh, related in ways that you can't, you can't explain except through the spiritual understanding of what it means to be born again and in God's kingdom. And so Mitch has been a good friend, has been a big supporter, and we've had a lot of wonderful discussions and things over the years. And uh, God's got a, got a word for us this morning. I just want you to open up your hearts and listen and receive what Mitch has to share this morning. And let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Brother Mitch. You got to get on the left side, you know. So, um, golly, there's Josh and Jennifer and Reagan and Lincoln. Oh, hey, everybody, make my family. Thank you. Make them feel welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you all for coming. Um, you know, it's it's funny how we love all the songs. And uh, once in a while, uh, almost every Sunday, there's one particular song that really rings true, that really touches your heart. This week, to me, it was, I will not be afraid. So anyway, I'm trying to hang on to that right this minute. <laughs> keep, from, keep that fear from setting in. But, uh, so Pastor Terry originally, I, by the way, I was really glad to hear you say that about people love you even when they see your, see your flaws. That's really good. So y'all keep that in mind, okay? All right, just want to set this up a little bit. So Pastor originally asked me to preach back when he and Pastor Jeff were going to be at the pastor's conference uh, for the Foursquare, and then COVID canceled that. So then he called me back. I thought, well, maybe I wouldn't, probably wouldn't preach. And then he called me about a month ago and, and asked, he said, are you, you're still planning on preaching, aren't you? I said, well, Shoot you if you if you'll let me, I, sh I sure will. So you all know I like talking, and so for a little while here, I get to do all the talking. So that's uh, a good thing. Did you see how cute Reagan and Lincoln are? Oh, my gosh. You all remember them when they used to come on Wednesday night? Stand up, would you? Would you kids just step out in the house so everybody can see you? Come on. Look how big they're getting. Oh, my gosh. I love you, kids. Uh, so it's a, it is a privilege and an honor to do this, and it comes, does come with a weighty responsibility to bring something of uh, spiritual value. So I was planning for these last few months to preach on faith with a little bit maybe different uh, twist than, or a little different angle than maybe we think about very much, and I was excited about that. And then when uh, Pastor Terry told me, he reminded me, well, he, I didn't even realize it, but a few weeks ago he said, you know, the 31st is Pentecost. And so I really felt uh, led to preach on Pentecost, and, and uh, it's uh, uh, something that I'd had on my heart really to, to speak about, but, it, but really more it was thinking in terms of the men's group. So I've really done a lot of study, checking out, you know, we can get caught in... Uh, church tradition, this is such an important thing to Christianity, such an important doctrine. And it is uh, really can be a, uh, a bone of contention between denominations and the way people believe. And it's important to remember that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and 
No, everybody's just as saved, whether they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit or not, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Everybody is just as saved. But uh, I think it's something uh, important to talk about. And uh, so, unfortunately, it is lost to a good part of, the, part of the church, or at least partially lost, of what happened on Pentecost. So it's either, either a lot of times part of it is uh, totally rejected, speaking of tongues and, and the gifts of the Spirit. It's either totally rejected or it's explained away by, you know, well-meaning men that maybe probably have never, well, certainly have never experienced the fullness of Pentecost. And since it's an area that's not much taught, then there's not a lot of understanding in a lot of, a lot of places about, about it. And, and I think it's so important to do that. And to, I want to speak the truth, but I want to speak it in love. And I hope I come across that way. Um, Lord, I just want to be an empty vessel today. Father, I, I, I do want to speak your word. You've given me a word. I know it's from you. And Father, I want to speak that word, and I want to do that in love. I hope it's received that way. And Father, anything that uh, I have planned to say that you don't want said, Lord, I pray that that would just fall from my memory and fall to the ground. And anything that you would rather have me say that I don't plan to say, Lord, I pray that you would bring that to my memory. Lord, I just want to open my mouth and have you fill it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, um, church tradition can get us into a kind of a dogmatic position to where, you know, just, just uh, my mind's made up, don't confuse me with the facts. Or in this case, my mind's made up, don't confuse me with Scripture. So I want to just take a look at Scripture today and just be led by His Word. Uh, Pastor Terry already covered, I was going to talk about what Pentecost means. It means 50th. Uh, it was one of seven great feasts ordained by God and observed by Israel. And it was, it was also known as the Feast of Weeks, or the Festival of Weeks, I'm not sure, but uh, seven weeks, seven times seven, 49 days, right? Is that right, Reagan? Seven times seven, 49? Oh, you don't know either? Okay, well, it's, it all runs in a family, right? <laughs> Lincoln, is it right? Yes, that a boy, just say yes. Okay, so uh, as Christians, we celebrate uh, Pentecost, uh, seven weeks after Easter, or some people prefer to say Resurrection Day. That's fine. Uh, we observe it then, today. So uh, it took place, as Terry said, in Jerusalem during the Feast of Weeks when they were all gathered there. I really should say, though, the coming of the Holy Spirit in a new dimension. That's what we, that's what we celebrate is the coming of the Holy Spirit. But really it's in a new dimension because you can see it all the way back when you look in creation, uh, you can go back to have, I just have two notebooks full. So Wait, Terry said something about a couple of hours. I don't know about that. But anyway, let's go to Genesis 1, 1 and 2. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, moved upon the face of the waters. So God began to bring order from the chaotic earth that was uh, without form and was void and was, there was darkness upon the face of it. And he began to bring that order from it. Uh, you know, he said, let there be light. And then he divided the light from the darkness and he called the day light and he called the darkness night. 
in uh, the waters from the dry ground. He was bringing order to a chaotic situation. And uh, he divided the waters even from above, from the waters beneath, it says, with a firmament, just our atmosphere, the, cloud, the waters in the clouds, from the waters in the rivers and the lakes and the sea. Why did he do that? He was preparing it for life. Plant life, and then animal life, and then human life. By the way, that's what he wants to do in our lives. He wants to bring order from the chaotic life, and he wants to bring he wants to prepare us by bringing order from that chaos to receive the abundant life that Jesus bled and died to bring us. And uh, so anyway, we, we read throughout, we, we see that in, in the New Testament. By the way, I'm just going to share this with you. I hadn't planned on but God gave me a, a few lines of maybe the beginning of a song or a poem or something. It's been a year and a half ago, and I haven't done anything with it, but I was thinking about that very thing I just shared with you, about how the Holy Spirit and it goes like this, if I can remember it. When the Spirit of God hovers over the deep in the soul of a man, and he begins to weep, he's bringing order from the chaos. He's making things right. He's driving out the darkness with his very light. He is the light. He is the light. We can't, we can't do that on our own. We have to have the light. So another place we see the Holy Spirit, that's why I say is he came in a new way, a new dimension. As we read throughout the Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit would come upon someone, the prophets of old, in order to inspire and empower those men to carry out God's work and assignment that God had for that man on earth at that particular time. It's always been the Holy Spirit that's moved upon the earth to carry out God's desires. And uh, even, even Jesus, ah, the one thing I want to point out there, every indication when he came upon the prophets of old, he would come upon them long enough to complete that assignment, and then he would, would leave. So I want to I just keep that in your mind. He did not remain on that person. So even Jesus didn't start his public ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. John 1 and 33 says this, it said, and this was John the Baptist's words, But he who sent me to baptize with water... The same said unto me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God, Jesus. Why did the Holy Spirit remain on Jesus but not on the others? Simple answer. Sinful man can't survive in the presence of a holy God. Sin cannot survive in the presence of holiness. And the Bible says this about Jesus. Neither did he sin, nor was any sin found in him, the sin nature. Jesus was born the same way the, that uh, Adam was created, without a sin nature, but with a free will. They both, now Adam chose to use his free will, he chose to sin. Thank God Jesus didn't choose to sin. Thank God he followed through with, with uh, his assignment on earth, or we wouldn't be sitting here today. We wouldn't be praising his mighty name. Um, so that's why, by the way, that Jesus couldn't have an earthly father. Because the sin nature is passed down through the seed of the father, not through the mother. 
So ladies, I guess you're kind of off the hook, really. It's not your fault, you know. I mean, you can say it's that man you gave me, God, that I, that's why my kids turned out this way. Sandy, Sandy doesn't have to say that. Our kids turned out really good. <laughs> uh, boys, you, brothers, you ought to amen that. You could get some points here. Come on. I'm going to say it one more time now. said, Lord, the women should say, Lord, it's not my fault. It's that man you gave me. Okay, brothers. That's right. Now you're getting some points. You're getting some brownie points. That's the way to do it. So that's why I say, say that he came in a new dimension. Because he can now remain on us. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for our sins. And now when God looks at us, we're justified. He looks at me justified, never sinned. That's a big old word and a real easy way to remember what it means. He looks at me justified, never sinned. He looks at you all the same way. So since he, can, he looks at me just about never sin, and Jesus, then, then he can proclaim, he, God can proclaim me as holy and righteous, which he does, um, even though it's imputed righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ, still we're in Christ. So when God looks at us, he sees Christ. He doesn't see Mitch. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, uh, that's why it had to take place after the cross. All of this, it's all in an orderly sequence. Passover had to come before Pentecost. The cross had to come before, um, before the, the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And that's, a, that's why Jesus said in, uh, to his followers, he said it in John, I better get this thing right side up, in John... Um, 14, 16 through 18. Let's see, that'll be on, if you want to just turn to page 1880, you'll find it there. That's on 1880. And I'm just going to read a little bit, and he said in, in verse 16 of the 14th chapter of John, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because it sees him not, nor, neither knows him. But he said to his followers, his disciples, But you know him, for he dwells, he dwells with you. That was before the cross. And he says, He will be in you. That's after the cross. He shall be in you after the cross. Now we can enjoy the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 So, we can thank God for that. Uh, so the prophets, uh, some of the prophets, I want to read in Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12, when uh, Isaiah prophesied about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. That'll be on page 1144, in case you're wondering. Are you there yet? <laughs> okay, 1144. Now, verse 11 says this. Listen to this. This is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. Does anybody in here ever get weary? I'm telling you, you need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And it says, And this is the refreshing. Do you ever need a refreshing? This is the refreshing. Yet, this is the sad part. Yet they would not hear. Brothers and sisters, this is still the sad part. Many will not hear. 
the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They'll hear the indwelling presence in the Holy Spirit, but not about the baptism. So I want to read uh, in Acts, the prophet Joel obviously also prophesied. That's, that's the, the uh, one that uh, Peter used when he was given basically the inaugural speech of the, of the church, the birthing. It's a, hey, your birthday's the same day as the church's birthday this year, brother. <laughs> All right. That's pretty special. So I want to go to the book of Acts, and we're going to go to, first I want to read in uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And it says, And being assembled together with them, this was Jesus talking to him. He was assembled together with them, commanded them. He commanded them. He didn't suggest to them. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he you have heard of me, and ever heard, in other words, you have heard of me, you have heard me say this, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they, were, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Now I want to explain something. Of course we're supposed to witness to people. That's not what this verse is talking about. This verse here is talking about the way we order our lives, the way we live, our walk, even that, that we have totally committed to Jesus Christ in our life. More and more, right? Right? Uh, even to the point of, of death to some people, uh, some of the martyrs, even to the point of one's death. Now, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, Jesus, while they beheld, while they watched him, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Let me tell you, that wasn't a rain cloud, brothers and sisters. That was a Shekinah glory. That was just Shekinah glory of God. So then I want to go over here. This is what he told him to do. He said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power, like Pastor Terry said. I'm going to read quite a bit here in, in uh, chapter 2. I mean, this is, this is when it happened. So, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Sometimes we don't need more information. We just need a suddenly, don't we? Sometimes we need a touch from God that we can feel, that we can sink our teeth into. Something real, not something that we're just, we just, I mean, I know we're supposed to walk by faith. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes we need a touch that we can feel. Amen. Suddenly. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, not just a few of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, now when this was noised abroad, when people started talking about it, the multitude came together. They all gathered up to see what was going on and was confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. 
And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? And he, he lists, I'll just go ahead and read it. Uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, in Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, in Egypt, in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues. What are they speaking? The wonderful works of God. Don't, let every, don't you ever let anybody tell you it's Babel. Don't you let ever, ever let anybody tell you you're just trying to show off and be more spiritual than somebody else. No, you're speaking the, the wonderful works of God. The Bible says so. We just read it. It's not Babel. It's a, it's a tongue they didn't understand, but the hearers understood, but the speaker didn't know what he was saying. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, hmm. saying one to another, what does this mean? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. <laughs> they thought they were, they were drunk. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea, and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. That's about nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that. Notice what he didn't say. He doesn't say this fulfills that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words, it's happened this one time and then it's over. No, he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. Everyone, yeah, we're in the last days. We've been in them for 2,000 years. Said so right here. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Daughters. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come, the second coming. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the most wonderful, glorious statement that's ever been uttered right there. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Somebody ought to shout over that. Somebody ought to give him some praise right now. Hallelujah. I want you to notice something in this. It says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. It includes both genders. Um, I will, and it doesn't, it doesn't say anything... Any nationality you are, any race you are, any color you are, there's no difference in the eyes of God. I heard two guys talking one day, one day on a Christian TV station, and, and they were both godly men. And one of them made a statement. He thought he was being really good, and the other one corrected him. The first man, he said, uh, you know, he said, uh, well, they were talking about racism. And he said, well, you know, God's colorblind. And the other guy said, let me correct you. He said, God loves all colors. He's not colorblind. He loves all colors. So, something to keep in mind. 
So I just want to quickly address how some theologians, like I said, this is a, such a bone of contention between different denominations. And I want to quickly just address how some of the theologians re that reject the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, see how, and let's see how it, how it holds up to Scripture. One of the things they say is it passed away, and they use always 1 Corinthians 13 and 10. And it says this, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall pass away. Well, that which is in part, of course, are the gifts of the Spirit. That's in part. We see it. We see through a glass dimly now. We know in part. We see in part. But they say, that these people say, well, here, this is that which is perfect, and it has come. The canon of Scripture. But think about that. The very canon of the Scripture that's supposed to be perfect teaches on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So you can't have it both ways. The other part of that, we know that when Jesus returns as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he returns to rule and reign in power, he sets his kingdom, his government up, the headquarters in Jerusalem, then at that point, that which is perfect will have come, and not until then. And at that time, the gifts of the Spirit, it should be obvious, won't be needed anymore. But until then, God says we need them. At that point, they'll be done away. Now, another point that, uh, that our brothers and sisters in the Lord that we love, we have to, is, uh, they'll say, I received all the Holy Spirit when I was saved. Yes, I agree. You received all of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit when you were saved. But we have to understand through Scripture the baptism in the Holy Spirit is separate and apart from salvation. It is, uh, they're, they're both works, they are both works of grace carried out by the Holy Spirit, but they are separate and apart. You have to be saved first before you can, before you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. A couple of other arguments uh, I'm just going to lump them together because there's one uh, Bible account that pretty well refutiates both of them. It was a one-time deal or the fulfillment not to, or, or a fulfillment not to be repeated. I want to just say this again. Anybody that hasn't, there's, there's probably many people in here that have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you've received, received the indwelling presence of the Lord, you're saved, you're blood-bought, you're on your way to heaven. Make no mistake about it. You don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. But if you're going to operate in the fullness of the power of the gifts of the Spirit, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So, so that was one of them. Uh, it was a one-time deal, fulfillment to be repeated, and I received everything the Holy Spirit has to offer after uh, to offer at salvation. To refutiate this, I want to show you something. In Acts 8 and 15, I'm not going to read the scripture, I'm going to give you an account of it. It's Acts 8 and 15, and it's a story about Philip. And he said pre, uh, Philip had basically he'd preached a revival in a city in Samaria. Many were saved. It says many were saved, but weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Two separate occasions. They didn't receive the Holy Spirit, it says. So Peter and John returned to preach to the, to the people, the same people, after 
they had been saved. And he says they went to preach to them that they might receive the Holy Spirit at the laying, and at the laying on of hands they did so. They received the Holy Spirit. Now, if it was a one-time thing, or if baptism comes automatically at salvation, what in the world was Peter and John doing? Read the Scripture. Read the Scripture. Don't be dogmatic. We need to come against that spirit of dogmatism. Uh, so if we're going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit with power from on high, we need a, the baptism with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So I'm not going to spend a lot more time refuting things. I'm just going to tell you what I know personally. I'm going to tell you my testimony. The kids, they're always asking us, Papa, tell me a story about when Josh and his brothers grew up. They're all the time saying, tell me a story. Tell me a... Look at Reagan Griffin. And they'll say, Nana, actually Sandy's better at telling those, those stories, you know, the highlights of our life. There were some low lives, believe me, raising those kids. <laughs> Not on account of them, more on account of me. There were some low lives. Low life? Low points. That's very good. Well, I was kind of a low life. Actually, a lot of that time I was a low life. Josh, you don't need to amen that now. <laughs> but uh, any, any, Jennifer's going to. She knew me then. <laughs> but, uh, but they'll always say that. Kids, I'm going to tell you something. I'm fixing to tell you the best story I've ever told you. It's the second best story I can ever share with you. The first best is when I was saved, when I gave Jesus, gave my heart life to Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you a story that I hope you and your grand and your and my other grandkids will carry in their heart. And I pray God that they, you and they will receive the mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit at some point. I pray that you will keep this in mind. Keep this story in mind. Some of you may not believe me, I don't know. Some of you may mock me or make fun of me and some may disown me. I don't know. I don't know, but I'll tell you what I do know. I know it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk because it's such an amazing, life-changing experience with the Lord that's undeniable, and it will change your life. You want to be set on fire for God, receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So I was saved. I love the Lord. I, th I thought, man, there's got to be more. There's just got to be more. I was seeking the Lord. You know, I was listening to preachers. I was listening to teaching tapes. I was uh, uh, starting to look up scriptures that these fanatical preachers were preaching. And by golly, they all lined up. And um, so I said, well, there must be something to this. And... Um, there was a man that came to work over at the ranch, and his name was uh, John Baker. And he was a Pentecostal. And uh, I got to asking him about these things and any other questions that I have. I was hungry. I was trying to grow in the Lord. And I was uh, asking him any questions that I had about the things of God. And he was doing his best to teach me, and he was a good teacher. He, he knew the Word well. Um, I felt that God had sent him. Uh, I still feel that, still believe that. I finally told him that I wanted the baptism. I had studied and studied, and I had prayed and prayed, and I realized I, I was convinced that it was real and it was true and that I needed it. So I told him, I said, John, I said, I, I, I want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I said, uh, the church I go to, they, they don't really believe in it. 
and um, you know where I could go to receive. Well, he said, uh, he was going to the little Assembly of God church down here in Cool. It's right down the road, 15, 20 miles. And he said, well, yeah, we, we believe that. We, we operate in the Holy Spirit every week. He said, uh, he said, let me talk to Marsha. Actually, that was a church that uh, Russ and Becky McDonald, I think used to pastor, didn't they, brother? And their dad, I think, founded it. And at this time, Russ's sister, Marsha, was a pastor. And uh, a little AG church down there. So uh, he talked to her. He talked to Marsha. And she said, well, she said, bring him over Sunday and we'll see what happens. They, the, they had the operation of the Holy, the Holy Spirit was strong in that church every Sunday. So I was really excited, but not without a little bit of doubt. I mean, I've got to tell you, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. And uh, I really wanted it to be real, but uh, I was a little skeptical. And I was really a little reluctant, I'll just be real honest, of the, about embracing the fanaticism that I thought was there. The fanaticism of it all. And my natural man was really resistant. Did you know that the natural man, your natural man, has absolutely no appetite for the things of God? Don't listen to him. Don't listen to your natural man. No, that's why he tells us in Galatians, uh, if you live in the Spirit, therefore, therefore walk therein. Walk in the Spirit. Order your life in the Spirit. Don't listen to the natural man that has no interest in the things of God, at least about spiritual things. So, on that Sunday, I drove to Cool to the Assemblies of God Church over there, and all the stories I'd heard about people receiving the baptism, I'd heard on tapes, and I'd heard pers personal uh, testimonies, all of them that received it with a physical uh, impartation said the same thing. Every one of them said that on the top of their head, it felt like somebody had poured warm honey or warm oil, and it just gradually engulfed them. It just gradually flowed over and encompassed them clear to the floor as they released their tongue to the Lord, as they trusted the Lord with their very tongue. That bothered me a little bit. So uh, <laughs> the Lord has a sense of humor. You know how I'm all the time teasing about the fact that I was a breech birth? <laughs> and I blame everything on being a breech birth. And so I'm in there waiting on this oil on my head. I'm telling you, and I mean suddenly on the bottom of my feet, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not talking about goosebumps. I'm not talking about chill bumps. I'm talking about the very power of Almighty God. And it was as if I had stepped into a river, and the river was rising, and it got up about rib bone high, and I turned to Brother John, and I said, you feel that? And he went, uh-huh. And I thought, right, they don't think... If you don't think drunk in the spirit is real, you should have seen Brother John. <laughs> Woo, I'm telling you what. And that river just kept arising. It just kept arising until it totally, I was under the water. And I was just totally embraced and there was no doubt in my mind that it was God that, had, that surrounded me at that point. The spirit of God. I've never felt it quite like that. I've never felt it at all like that before. I've felt the same thing since, but not with that intensity. I'm not talking goosebumps. I'm not saying goosebumps. You can't get goosebumps from God. I'm not saying that. I'm not talking chill bumps. I'm talking the power of Almighty God. It was like I'd stepped into that river. Oh, there is a river that flows from the throne of grace. Hallelujah. 
It's real. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it's real. You can read it in the Scripture, and you can understand it's real, or you can read the Scripture and explain it away. You can read papers as long as from here to that wall over there on people trying to explain away the mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit. But when you check it out with Scripture, it's not going to hold water. It's not going to hold water. That dog won't hunt. So, so Marcia, so we're, so Marcia, the pastor, she is up on the platform. She had just started to preach. And I was just basking in the presence of the Lord. I'm like, Lord, don't ever leave me. I don't want to move. I'm afraid to move. I want to move. This is awesome. I don't want to get out of his presence. I don't want to move. And Marcia started to preach. And all of a sudden, she's on a platform about like this. And she kicked her sandals off and she jumped to the floor. She looked like Wonder Woman. She was leaping over a tall building with a single bound. I guarantee you she should have. And she jumped to that floor and she said, Brother John, bring Mitch over here. She said, he's here. It's time. And she turned to this side of the church uh, and there was a woman over there and she said, whatever her name was, uh, Becky. She said, uh, bring Bill over. He was there for the same thing. And they came running up there, and I'm going to tell you what that little bitty Holy Ghost-filled church in cool Texas, 35 or 40 people there is all, maybe. And they went to surrounding us, and they went to praying, laying hands and praying. And, 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 and Marcia was praying with understanding. The rest of them were playing, praying in the Spirit. And I'm telling you what, just like on the road to Damascus uh, with Brother Paul, Suddenly, I was on my back in that church. I, I don't care if you believe it. I don't care if you think I'm making it up. And with stuttering lips and another tongue, I was, I was singing the praises of God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's real. It's real. Oh, and he makes it so easy. He said, me being, he said, if you being uh, evil man want to give good gifts to your children, he said, how much more will I give you the Holy Spirit when you ask that's what he says. That's his promise. I was given thanks well, the Bible says. It says, I was given thanks well. And I was being edified. Tongues edifies the person. They ed it edifies the spirit man of a believer. Do you ever need a little building up? That's what that means. Do you ever need your spirit man built up? Oh, you need the baptism and the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Speaking in other tongues. And the Holy Spirit was all over me for most of the afternoon. And I come home and I was sitting in my recliner, and I was sharing it with Sandy, and I was telling her what happened. And she hadn't been going to church with me at that point because she figured out a long time ago that little church we were going to, that was a waste of time. And it was. It really was. I love those people. but So um, <laughs> she'd figured that out. She's smarter than me. I'll admit it. She's not here today, so I'll, I'll go ahead and admit it. And, uh, and I'm explaining it. And, you know, I can talk a while. I don't know if you know. So I was explaining it for quite a while. And I'm sitting in my recliner, and, and she was so sweet about it, and she didn't have a clue what I was talking about. Sometimes I'll talk to Lincoln, and he'll go, I'll, I'll get through talking, and he'll look at me, and he'll go, Papa, I don't have a clue what you just said. <laughs> well, that's kind of the way she went. <laughs> I don't have any idea what you just said. <laughs> and uh, that's the way Sandy was. She didn't have any clue. But she was so sweet, so precious, and she got up, and she kind of hugged me, and she patted on me, me on the head, and she said, that's nice, honey, and she walked on. <laughs> I was just being filled with the Holy Spirit, experiencing the presence of God. She said, that's nice, honey, and went off to the bedroom. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something, brothers. I'm going to tell you something, brothers. Now she knows. 
She's received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I'm going to tell you, brothers, we need to be the leaders of our family. We need to lead by example. We need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. That's what God says. Do your kids see you? Do your kids, you pray with them? Do you read the Bible with them? Do you study with them? Your wives, lead them. Oh, yeah, that's the way Reagan's hugging her mama. That's a good family right there. They love the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful. So thankful. We need to lead our families. I'll tell you what I figured. I'm just country enough that, you know, God, God says we need the gifts in the Spirit. He placed them in the church, the gifts of the Spirit in the church for a reason. And if he says we need them, I'm just country boy enough to figure, you know what, he's probably smarter than me. God's smarter than me. He's smarter than all of us put together. And if he says we need them, I'll say, okay, we need them. That's fine. Some say, well, I just don't feel led to seek the gifts. Can I tell you that if we go by our feelings, we're going to get in a lot of trouble. If we want to be led about the gifts of the Spirit, read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and you will be led by the Scripture. Paul says to earnestly covet the best gifts. Earnestly covet the best gifts. Oh, there's a river that flows from the throne. There's a river that flows from the throne of grace, brothers and sisters. Ezekiel 47, chapter 47. Ezekiel prophesied about the river. And I know he's talking about a literal river that's going to come in the, in the millennium age, the, the uh, uh, thousand-year reign. I know that. Oh, but it's here in the spirit realm right now. I'll promise you it's here. And he talked about... He, he talks about how, uh, he talks about a man with the line. And the man with the line, the line was like a, we'd call it a tape measure, I guess. And he was going, and the man with the line was Jesus, by the way. And the man with the line was walking down this river, and he was following him down this riverbank. And he measured off, I think it was a thousand cubits. How many feet is that, Lincoln? <laughs> I don't know either. Good boy. Runs in the family. So anyway, anyway. It was a thousand cubits, and, uh, and, the, and, and Jesus was measuring off, and the man was following him. And he said he stepped in the river at a thousand cubits, and it was ankle deep. And the ankle deep water, that's a represents salvation. And then he measured off another thousand cubits, and the water was knee deep. The knees signify prayer and a total dependence on God even to the point of you're going, to, you're going to give your tongue to him. You'll trust him that it's the Holy Spirit giving you the words to say. He's given you the, the utterance. And it speaks of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It to takes total dependence in God to trust him even with your tongue. A thousand more cubits in the river is to the loins, which represents the, the uh, uh, procreative part of man, which points to the miracle working power of God. Do we want to see the miracles in the church? We need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we got to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking under, in other tongues. He says that's where we will be endued with power from on high. Miracle working power. That's dunamis power. Miracle working power. So some say, you know, I just don't feel God's presence like I used to. I've been there. I've, I know that feeling. And sometimes we don't. I understand that. He said, they'll say, I trust he's, he's here, but his presence is just not manifest to me like it has in the past. Well, I can tell you where he is. You want me to tell you where he is? He's in the deep end of the pool. 
And he's saying, you quit wading around. You've been wading around in that shallow end long enough. Uh, he's saying, jump on in. The water's fine. He said, come on in here. Come to the deep end. Time for Daddy to teach you to swim. He said, I'll teach you to breathe under the water. That's what I was doing. I was under the water. I was breathing in there. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And jump on in, brothers and sisters. The Bible says in the end times there will be a form of godliness denying the power therein. The power therein is the power that we just read about in Acts 2. We don't want to be that church. We want to be the church where the power flows, where the gifts of the Spirit flow. And God makes it so easy. Eddie and company, I'm about through if y'all want to come on back. Uh, God, God makes it so easy. He says, if you being evil men give good gifts to your children, how much more will I give to the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You know, ask and you shall receive. He says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. Right now, if it wasn't for COVID, we'd be having an altar call. And we'd be coming to the altars, anybody that needed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or anybody that wanted a fresh infilling. But you know what? COVID has nothing over God. His arm is not short. We need, to, we need to, uh, to observe the law of the land for sure. And so we won't have an altar call. But I'm telling you, if it's like, uh, do you remember when uh, P uh, Apostle Paul, I call him Pentecostal Paul, by the way. He says, I speak in tongues more than y'all. He was a southern gentleman. <laughs> he was the one, he started the first church of the Southern Pentecostals. I'm sure he did. You don't read about it anywhere, but I just know it in my spirit. He did. The first church of the Southern Pentecostals. And he said this. He said, I, I pray in the Spirit, and I pray with understanding. I sing in the Spirit, and I sing with understanding. And as we worship today, brothers and sisters, right where you are, if you'll ask God Almighty for the mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I'll promise you, he'll give it. If you come with a sincere heart, if you come believing him, believing for it, he'll make it happen for you. He'll make it happen, and you'll never regret it. I know, I, know you're, I know your natural man's fighting it. I know that. Been there, done that, bought the shirt. Fight him off. Don't listen to him. So as we praise God today, I want to give you a little instruction on that first, though. Is uh, You know, God isn't going to force you. He's not going to put you in a trance and cause you to speak in tongues any more than he put you in a trance and caused you to walk that aisle to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Not anymore. He's not going to force you to do any of it. Don't expect him to do it all. You're going to have to trust him with it. You're going to feel something right in here. It'll be words that you don't understand. It'll be something that, that you don't understand. You don't have the meaning, but somebody in this earth does, I'll promise you. Did you ever hear the stories? I've never seen it, but the stories about somebody be, praying, be uh, uh, worshiping in tongues in a church, somebody be standing in front of them from a foreign country, and they get through with the service, and they walk over and say, where'd you learn Chinese? Well, I don't know Chinese. He said, well, you are singing the praises of God in Chinese. Uh, that person said, I've never uh, had any schooling on Chinese whatsoever. I'm telling you, it's real. So remember that. If you ask him, if you ask him for the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit today with evidence of speaking in tongues, Hallelujah. you're going to have to trust him. Hallelujah. And I pray, God, that he would 
give you a physical experience like he did with me. He knew that he couldn't leave any doubt in my mind or I wouldn't be up here today yes. telling you about it. Hallelujah. Um, so, Lord, I just pray that you would pour your spirit out on this congregation today. Heavenly Father, as we, as we sing praises to you today, Lord God, as we give you praise and glory in this house today, Father God, I pray that you would grant that, that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit on this congregation, Heavenly Father, and any who will receive, Lord, that they would receive. And I ask that in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.
that's the call that the Lord is making to all of us all the time as he's just saying come see God loves everyone as Mitch was shared it's not it's not a matter of who you are what color you are or anything else God loves everyone and he's making the call to everyone and so if you don't know the Lord, today is the opportunity. Today can be the day of salvation. Today is the day you can say, I'm coming just like I am. I'm messed up. I know I'm not, I'm not right. I have sin. I have problems. And you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, that's okay. I know everything about you, and I receive you as you are. Just come and let me, let me take care of all that stuff for you, because you can't take care of it anyway. So the Lord is inviting you and saying, come. If you don't know him, today is the day of salvation. It's a simple thing. Just say, Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. I need you. I ask that you forgive me. Come and cleanse me and live in my heart. I choose to serve you. I want to walk with you from this day forward. That's all it is. It's a prayer. You giving yourself to him and acknowledging your need for him. And then he has a plan for you, for all of us. He says, I have work for you to do. And we want to be equipped fully to do that work. If you've never been baptized in the Spirit, that's the reason you want to be baptized in the Spirit, because you want to be fully equipped to do the work that He's called you to do. Don't go into a battle with no warfare. Don't go into a battle with no weapons. Don't go into a battle with a peace shooter when you're dealing with people that have nuclear weapons. If you want to be able to do battle spiritually, and you want to be able to walk in the power and the fullness of the Spirit. You need the baptism of the Spirit. You need the gifts of the Spirit operating in your life. So as we continue to worship, I just want to invite you, let that happen. Say, yes, Lord. I, don't, I may not understand it all, but I'm hungry. I want to know about it. I want, to, I want to receive this. I want it. I need it. I understand that. Fill me. I receive it in Jesus' name.
us, only you, Lord. Only you can heal us. Only you can change us. Only you can fill us. Only you can give us the power that we need to accomplish things in your kingdom. And so, Lord, we trust in you. We rely on you, Lord. It's not in our strength or our might, but it's in your spirit, Lord. And we thank you for that. I thank you that you've made a way for us to know you and to experience all of your goodness. Lord, today, seal this word in our hearts that we would go out of here encouraged, that we'd go out of here changed, that we'd go out of here with an attitude that we want to be filled. We want to walk in the fullness of your spirit every day, all day long, every day, not just on Sunday morning for a little while, but every day so that we'd have the power to do the thing that you've called us to do, Lord, as your people, that your love and your light and the salt would just be obvious in our lives so that, that this dark world can be changed and healed, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Thank you, Lord. You can go and be blessed. Have a great day. And I appreciate everybody coming. And uh, man, it is good to see you guys. More and more of you are coming. Lord bless you. And thank you, Brother Mitch, preaching the word to us. Amen.